runasradio.com. You're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 276 with guest Justin Morris, recorded Tuesday, July 24th, 2012. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Going to jump right in it today because I've got a guest back. Justin Morris is back, and he's a Link MVP and a consultant for Modality Systems, where he designs, deploys, and helps drive the adoption of Microsoft Link, that's L-Y-N-C, in customers in the UK. He writes his own blog, Justin Morris on UC, contributes to the TechNet Next Hop blog and forums, and is active on Twitter. And he's also the co-founder of the Microsoft UC user group in London. Welcome back, Justin. Thanks a lot, Richard. Uh, so, new version of Link. That's it, yeah. Just uh, announced last week. We're all pretty excited about it. This will be really the second version called Link, but it is a straight path from Office Communicator. It is, yeah. It's... um. It's the sort of uh, evolution of that product, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, you know, I still think we're in the in the low version numbers where we're really just getting our head around what this product's supposed to be. Um, it kind of is, um, but it's definitely matured a lot from the live communication server and OCS um, yeah. days of the product. Where all we can really do is I am in presence and some real basic um, enterprise telephony features. Uh, whereas in this stage of the game, this is really uh, something that's uh, matching and then going far beyond what typical IP PBX providers can provide. And it's still very Exchange-centric? There's no link without Exchange? Yeah, there's definitely um, a tight integration story between Link and Exchange, mm-hmm. and probably more so now between Link 2013 and Exchange 2013. Whenever we see um, that, I mean, there still doesn't seem to be a time horizon necessarily for Exchange. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the preview of that was released in the same date as Link as well. So, right. um, some of the, the integration scenarios were, were announced on TechNet, um, about how you can leverage your existing, uh, database stores in exchange for some features in Link. Mm-hmm. So, should we go down the, the hot list? What's new? What's cool? Yeah, absolutely. We're just, uh, dive straight into it. Uh, so really, I think what, what this is, is like, it's like a game changer of unified communications where, um, we're, we're past that point of people complaining about Microsoft not being up to speed with enterprise voice capabilities and um, what the requirements are around that to absolutely nailing that stuff and then building all of this really cool, really valuable functionality off the back of it. Okay. Being able to kind of like escalate straight up into video calls and PowerPoint presentations um, and drag and drop people in there. So the voice component of that just becomes a real natural piece that people just build onto um, how they're working on documents and um, other line of business apps. And the picture I've always got in my head when I think about Link is this progression of I write you an email, you get ready to write the mother of all emails in response, notice I'm on IM, I'm present, and click on me and say, can we chat for a minute about this? And that drops into uh, a voice call. And now you say it could evolve into a video call turn into an app share, that whole thing, just a very smooth progression between each of those modalities of communication? Yeah, because it makes so much more sense these days to 
somebody's just sent me an email and then maybe I need some clarity or something or it's easier for me to um, explain it verbally, uh, I can just right-click on that username in Outlook and go straight into a call or perhaps they just sent the email and they've locked their PC and gone off to get a copy or something and uh, they're not at their desk. I can tag them for a status change alert and be alerted uh, exactly the time they came back to their PC. And some of the features in Link now that make uh, video calling more pervasive is that within my contact list, I can actually see which of my contacts are video ready. Right. And so I can actually kick off a video call straight away to those guys and I get so much more of a um, immersive experience where I can see people's facial expressions and see how they're kind of reacting to things I'm saying and you get much more of a um, in-person thing that businesses are really uh, finding so valuable these days. Yeah, my problem with video calling is that I need to pace when we're talking about a difficult subject. And so you go, I'd have to get a camera that could follow me around the room. <laughs> well, there are cameras like that, Richard. There's yeah. um, like the, the Polycom CX-5000 that has uh, like a 360-degree camera. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know how well it would keep up with me pacing, but at least it would be something. And that, that and of course, then now my video shot would actually make it nauseous because everything would be moving around all the time. <laughs> it would be like uh, not the ideal candidate for um an every time video call uh, if i had a dollar for every time someone said that to me <laughs> how cloud centric is this now because it sure seems like office 365 is the focus and uh, although it still confuses me exactly how link is supposed to behave with external services like that yeah so i think the biggest thing that link 2013 offers is the ability to have a hybrid deployment mm-hmm. so what we can do now is Rather than just being a completely on-premises-based deployment, we can actually stretch link between uh, both your on-prem deployment and also what you might have in a cloud as well. So right. It's really um, extending that flexibility between both the cloud and your own data center, and that's built straight out of the box now. So what pieces can I put in the cloud, or what pieces do I want in the cloud? I'm just trying to figure the balance here. Uh, really, you would probably offload a lot of the... Um, processor-intensive stuff in mm-hmm. the cloud. So um, your front-end server roles and um, exchange stuff uh, into the cloud and things that need to be provisioned quite quickly and to users that are spread um, quite geographically uh, dispersed. So, you know, so that um, they can just come straight in. You can say, look, you know, you've got your link set up, exchange, SharePoint, that kind of thing, and it's all powered out of the cloud-based thing. Yeah. And then you would more so deploy the voice components locally so to give you that local breakout through uh, IPM services and um, make sure that the voice pieces uh, uh, sort of given the the attention that they need um, where the users are actually located. Yeah, I'm always worried about bandwidth. If, if, you know, if I'm thinking about five guys in a building and we're all communicating out over the internet to the Ireland data center for Microsoft or 365 to do a conference call. It seems like an awful lot of bandwidth. Yeah, I mean, that's where some of this stuff around uh, media bypass to the gateways that sit in your local site are, right. are really handy because that means that your voice packets aren't traversing across the warehouse the central data center and then coming all the way back just to go out a local PSDN breakout so we can just forego all of that and send the traffic directly to the local PSDN breakout. For sure. I think, yeah, you know, and you said PSTN before me, because I've always been an advocate of the landline. Uh, how is the hybridization like that? I mean, everybody seems to think SIP for anything involving Link, but can I actually use traditional phones effectively? Yeah, absolutely. There's still 
that's part innovation there for organizations that want to still utilize their ICN trunks. Sure. Um, even though, as you said, like loads of people are jumping on the, um, the SIP trunk yep. bandwagon in a big way, there's still a lot of uh, localities around the world where it's restricted to just that ICN breakout. Um, countries like India and I think uh, Ethiopia or uh, Nigeria recently have right. said that they sort of they like outlaw VoIP. And uh, you basically have to use, you know, like the um, the, the government-owned phone providers and places like that. So it's important that we still maintain that backwards compatibility um, in products like Link and don't look too far forward. Right. Well, of course, yeah, that's, that's the telcos defending their turf, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, it was just for, to make Link a, um, a viable product worldwide, then those kind of scenarios need to be maintained. But it does, that significantly impacts sort of portability. Just, you know, now you've talked about physical phone lines or a T1 pulled into a locale. You've got some kind of digital box that's breaking that out to make it available on the switch, but you've got to be pretty close to that switch to make it work. Yeah. And that's fair. Things like, uh, assessing the architecture and, um, a number of sites in an organization, uh, before you think about designing. The solution is, is a really important step so you can understand exactly where all your users are going to be and what infrastructure needs to be deployed to uh, provide the local breakout. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, of course, the, and the more spread out or geographically diverse a given company is, the more the cloud seems to make sense for this. Yeah, definitely. And there's one thing that uh, has been delivered with Link 2013 that's um, quite cloud-centric is uh, the actual federation into Skype now. Yeah, I wanted to get there because the whole conversation of, uh, you know, Link and Skype, now that that product is, you know, are these just going to become one thing at some point? I think it's Microsoft is definitely still going to position Skype as the consumer communications right. product and Link will be the enterprise slash business communications product and that will meet the two in the, in the middle. Um, so it's like a seamless experience, I reckon. So what is the connection with Link and Skype? So what it is, is it leverages um, the existing federation capability and link to give you instant messaging uh, presence and voice between Skype and Link. Okay. Yeah, and so this is something that was, was like hotly debated and, you know, after the Skype purchase was announced, it was like it made sense for this to um, to come, you know, in the next version. So Skype now has access to the Link contacts? Like what does that actually manifest itself as? We don't quite know yet, to be honest. Okay. Um, all, yeah, all we know is that uh, the, the Skype Federation is definitely capable. Right. Um, it's kind of yet to be seen. It's probably that we'll start to know more information about the nuts and bolts. Because under the hood, I mean, Skype and, and Link are very different projects, right? Like, yeah. Link was built much more spoken hub, sort of classical uh, uh, PSDN design. And Skype was always a peer-to-peer product, always finding the cheapest routes through things and more users made more efficiency. Like, they're radically different architecturally under the hood. Yeah, I mean, I've tried to wrap my head around um, how the integration and the federation takes place. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't wait to pick somebody's brain about how it works because... Um, Skype is just such a mesh of services and things like spinning up dynamically to um, address loading capacity uh, when it when it's required, and yeah. you know, providing that 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 sort of connection between um, you know some guy down the road's link implementation to federate to those hundred your hundred eighty million users there are um, in Skype, like is a massive achievement, I reckon. And I do think that folks are treating Skype more and more with this. 
uh, presence tool. You do have messaging. You can see that people are there or not there. I mean, we, we still have this concept. Uh, I think Skype does it better than just about any of the other consumer IMs. Yeah, the, the thing with that, yeah, it's like people are leveraging Skype so more and more, and you're seeing Skype built into televisions and um, a whole other platforms and things. And so where the Skype and Link value is going to be is that if I'm at work and I want to get hold of uh, my girlfriend or something and she's on Skype um, and I've got Link, I can just like quickly send her an IM or see what her presence is between Link and Skype. And that connection between your your day job and business and your private life, I think, is going to be where we see this, like, when Microsoft is building this, like, grand scheme of being able to span their products across your entire life. Yeah, we get back to this idea of, you know, I'm getting tired of running multiple clients for all of these different communication apps. Like, it's just getting out of hand. I eventually, I had to switch over to Trillion uh, to get (laughs) AIM and, uh, and Yahoo and... ICQ and MSN all under one label. And then now Skype's in there as well, although it is not a perfect implementation of Skype that lives inside a trillion. But I just love having one app running that sort of centralizes all of that sense of contact. Yeah, I remember running that like years and years ago when I was like first tinkering around with uh, PCs and IM products and stuff. And this is where Link is, is trying to provide that experience to um, the enterprise world where you can use your, your corporate identity in Link to federate to um, MSN Messenger, um, AIM, Yahoo, Google Talk as well uh, mm-hmm. by XMPP integration that's built directly into the edge servers now. Um, and finally Skype as well. So from that, just that one identity is you, um, within your company, you can talk to all these other um, presence and, and IM platforms right across the web. Nice. Well, yeah, you see them exactly moving that way. It's just that it's still very much enterprise-focused. I was hoping that 2013 would be the version that got a little more SMB-friendly. Um, it does in a lot of ways where there's a much uh, smaller infrastructure footprint mm-hmm. for, for companies that you know are a bit hard-pressed for server licenses or they've got a huge kind of virtualization mandate. So what we've seen now is... Um, Things like the archiving and monitoring server, which used to require its own uh, dedicated server for one of those two roles or those two roles on one box, and now co-located on the front-end server role. Okay. It's common, it's common across um, every single link deployment that you see. So one less server that you need to deploy, um, and there's also the co-location of um, what's now called the persistent chat server role. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if um, if you've heard about group chat before within um, OCS and Link. I'm aware of group chat, but let's talk about it. Yeah, so what group chat was, was a product that was purchased by Microsoft in the sort of 2008 time frame uh, by a company called Polana. It was called Mindaline. And what it is, is it provides a um, sort of IRC-like uh, persistent chat room functionality within OCS and Link at the time. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, for a while, it was kind of a second-class citizen, and it was difficult to deploy, and um, I always got lots of questions from people that uh, had issues with certificates and uh, people and things like this. So it gets deployed the same way, the same simple way that any other server role does, and that can also be co-located onto a standard edition server, nice. which is the kind of architecture you would see um, in anything from a company of five to ten people to maybe 500 or 1,000 people, is that, that single server deployment with all the roles uh, co-located onto it. That's 
cool. I, I guess the, the other part of this, for those who don't know a lot about Link, is like, what's our bottom floor here? Like, minimum number of users for this to make sense. Yeah, so the minimum server that you could you could just deploy one single standard edition server. Right. So that's one Windows license, uh, one server license in Link, and that will give you um, integration into a SIP trunk if you wanted to. You could bring a SIP trunk straight into that server. Yep. You could provide archiving of um, IMs and meeting content. You can monitor uh, your deployment, and uh, you could do all the conferencing things you want, so audio, video, and web conferencing. Uh, yeah, that server um, from the get-go provides instant messaging and presence as well. Mm-hmm. And because we're bringing a SIP trunk into that server, it provides um, the enterprise voice functionality as well. Right. So from that single server, you can provide 99% of the functionality to your internal users. Now, how many users are we talking about that that could run off? Uh, so that server will support up to 5,000 users. Wow. Located. That's a ton. Yeah, um, and, and it's great for uh, companies that just want to get a bit of a taste of Link. Uh, the only thing with that deployment uh, model is that there's no high availability built into that. So, right. if you when you reboot you that server, server, your whole phone system's down. I mean, that's the thing to get your head around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's where it may make more sense to look at a um, enterprise edition deployment. Right. Well, we still get back to. I mean, five thousand is a huge number, Justin. Like, let's talk about five hundred people. Does it even make sense to be looking at Link? does, I think, because for 500 people, you're going to have that existing investment in things like AD and Exchange. Yep. So layering on Link, especially when you probably already own the standard Cal mm-hmm. by, your, by your core Cal licensing. So that gives you just the basic instant messaging and presence functionality out of the box. And all you need to do is spin up that single server and implement some collaboration features to just those 500 users for like a pretty small investment. Sure. Now, if you're not going SIP trunk, you would probably have like a, uh, a DigiLogic board in there that's breaking out a few phone lines or, or bringing in a T1. Yeah, you'd, pr- you'd probably need to look at a, a low-cost gateway of some kind that would take the, the T1 or E1 trunk right. uh, from the provider and then um, you'd better turn that into SIP and that could talk straight into the standard edition server. So is that generally the design then is even when we're bringing in phone lines, we are turning them into SIP to distribute them on the network? Yeah, absolutely, because uh, Link only talks um, talks to TLS, right. so we need to... Uh, so it's just a gateway. And do you tend to have those gateways as uh, cards that go into servers or as standalone devices? Uh, there are some providers, um, uh, certified providers that, that do give like a um, you know, PCI Express card option. Right. If you could put it in the server and then configure it up uh, so it looks like... Um, a standard, like a standalone box, but it's um, for all intents and purposes just a card in the existing server. Effectively, so, yeah. Yeah, if you wanted, wanted to go like sort of real cut down, um, uh, cheaper version, that's definitely an option. Well, they, and therein lies sort of the balancing act because it strikes me the link's still complex enough that I really wanna, I wanna buy this from a, a company as a machine pre-installed, pre-configured, good to go. All you know, all the parts are already in it. Yeah, there's. There are some providers that will give you um, kind of like a link in a box solution. Right. And it's like a, a one IU blade kind of box that um, has a little link server roles virtualized onto it mm-hmm. that you can just like drop straight into your organization and um, pull that, push that straight into the production or maybe just pilot it for a little bit. Right. And those kind of solutions um, are definitely kind of what you're describing. And when we get into dealing with that hardware, doesn't that particular server that's working with the phone lines 
does it can it be virtualized? Can I properly assign that hardware to it, or is that like the one thing that needs to be on bare metal? No, there's no um, no constraints around virtualization mm-hmm. these days. Um, there used to be um, in a massive way, and it was a huge deployment blocker for us. But uh, these days, once as long as you size things properly and ensure that you know, uh, this is generally the recommendation we make is that say if a particular server role on a particular set of uh, physical resources could support 1,000 users, yeah, if you were to um, put that same that same uh, Effects onto virtual, then you'd effectively halve the number of users. Okay, because there's always this battle between the impact of virtualization versus uh, direct. And when you mix those different roles, which all exert different loads on the same machine, do you really know how buried that machine is? Like this, these are not simple management things. It, this all-in-one solution makes me nervous. Yeah, and it's, it's not something we recommend for companies that are thinking of this in the long term. It's definitely a kind of tactical solution. It's a trial rig. Yeah, exactly right. Like a, a proof of concept or a pilot kind of run where right. they just wanted to drop something in, um, give it a go, and then look at designing um, for the long run after that. But then and this is where virtualization then shines, is now I'm able to pick up each one of these servers and push them onto their own hardware and, as necessary, start load balancing them. Like, they just scale so nicely. Yeah, exactly. I mean, take that that one virtualized uh, box and just go V to V, like straight out to Hyper-V or, right. um, you know, that kind of thing and and push those out exactly how you said and, and manage it with things like um, uh, Center Virtual Machine Manager, um, that kind of thing, which obviously recently like jumped on the bandwagon of that and I've got to say that product is awesome. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's compelling. It's still, it just still seems too big. I mean, the, the as soon as you're talking about 5,000 users, I can hire some dedicated specialists for this. I can roll out specific hardware for it. Like this is not something that we do casually in in any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it, it's definitely it's still a product that requires um, a lot of preparation and design time to make sure you get it right and it's mm-hmm. sized and you understand what the requirements are of the business. Uh, you know, especially if you you start talking about voice and things. Yeah, well and. Are we just basically eliminating the phone now? Is everybody just working through the PC? Does it make sense to even have a SIP phone on the table? Uh, I think less and less these days. Yeah. Like, personally, um, I just get around with a USB headset in my bag, and um, as long as I've got Wi-Fi, then I've got a phone. Right. Um, and there's still a valid argument for people saying, well, what if my PC is not turned on, or my PC crashes, or if I come straight into the office at 9 a.m. and I've got a conference call and I can't wait for my PC to boot up, those kind of scenarios, there's definitely um, still an argument for maybe phones on desks. But then at the same time, you could say, well, hey, you put a mobile in your, your pocket. It's got a link client running on it. Just join the meeting that way. Yeah, stand it up like that. I've realized, especially with a lot of the new SIP technology, no meeting starts on time anymore. You know, they, they, that 15, 20 minutes of getting things established, I've now started scheduling if it's my meeting, I start 15 minutes beforehand. So by the time people are showing up, I'm actually ready. Yeah. It's it's getting worse, not better. Yeah, I suppose people are yeah, being pressured more to um, sort of, you know, deliver stuff in business and that kind of thing. But like one of the great things about Link is that if it's a Link meeting, mm-hmm. um, it pops up in Outlook and there's a join online button directly in that reminder window within Outlook. So you just hit that and it fires up Link client for you, drops you straight into that audio conference and like, the time to join is like I, I joined once today, and I think it was sort of like two seconds, and I was actually talking to people. 
Yeah, it seems like the ad hoc meeting is served very well by this link model because the clients are already running. We're at our respective desks. It's just sort of those things can spontaneously happen with very low friction. It's the formal meeting in the boardroom with a group of people and a couple and a bunch that are remote that still seems to be awkward in comparison. Yeah, I think that kind of scenario can be difficult to address because, yeah, you've got to pull people in sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, if you have a um, something like uh, Polycom, a, a CX7000 uh, HD webcam that is built specifically for Link, I think it's a CX7000. Right. And what that is, is that sits in your boardroom and it's a, like, Link client by itself and you sign into that and uh, if you have, like, say, a, a big meeting where you've got 10, 15 people in a, meet- in a boardroom and you wanted to bring in someone from, you know, Seattle, New York, London, Sydney, that kind of thing. Right. Um, you could just you can just grab your contact list in Link and just drag them straight into the conference. Uh, and there's none of this sort of like um, haphazard uh, attendee invitation stuff where you need to know like their SIP address or like their DDI number to dial them in over ICN and all this clunky kind of behavior. Right. It's just so much more fluid. As long as everybody's got Link, it's going to be fine. It's always one guy. Yeah, there's one guy who's, you know, and it's invariably a board member or something. You know, somebody very senior, and all they've got is a telephone. Yeah, um, like the good thing is if, if it gets down to that kind of level, it's really easy to invite people into a conference by just um, putting in a mobile number and pull them straight in. And, you know, they might have as fantastic an experience as people running Link, but at least they get to be present, like, in an audio form. Yeah, at least they're, yeah, they're, you, they need to be part of the call. And, and, I mean, making that work means that you are bridging through a SIP trunk into the regular phone network to pull them in. Yeah, and that's where it's important to still get these like legacy interop uh, things in place so that if it gets to that point where we can't you know, utilize all the fantastic 21st century technology, we can still fall back to that basic, pull that guy on a phone number and bring him into the conference right. straight away. Uh, have you hit some practical limits for the number of people who could be on a conference call or watching a screen or things like that like what, what where does that sort of run out of steam uh so the maximum you can support on a, a single link server pool um of eight front end servers is 250 participants okay and that's uh that's like audio video the whole i mean at 250 you can't have two-way conversations now we're basically talking about a webcast yeah that's it you're talking about maybe like one or two people speaking one person sort of um adjudicating and like curating as well and yeah. then all the other people just being attendees and watching the content right and maybe sending questions up that's about it yeah exactly okay so I mean, there is some physics physical dynamics there and i generally when i've been looking at webcast tools in general you know there's sort of thresholds at 500 and 1000 and anything much above that seems to be pushing voodoo <laughs> yeah it gets into the realms of like you know pretty massive um massive scale and the recommendations in the, the sort of Microsoft world, if you need to host a meeting that's beyond 250, you need to push that up into sort of like a hosted uh, solution from Microsoft that will leverage sort of Office 365. Yeah, more dedicated services. You are now running big webcasts, and you need to deal with that accordingly. Yeah, and it's probably something you pay some decent coin to, you know, to get out of that service. Sure, it's not a trivial thing to do, and it's but it's still a heck of a lot cheaper than bringing 250 people together into a space. Yeah, absolutely. To, to actually have them all meet up. So, uh, do we have dates? Do we know when this stuff's actually going to ship? Because it's 2013, and near as I can tell right now, it's still 2012. 
Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, product group are kind of um, getting ahead of themselves a bit there. But uh, we, we still don't have any dates yet. Um, there's there's a preview version available right now today, um, Microsoft website, that people can download and have a play around with. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of when we're going to see uh, a sort of general availability of the product, uh, we still don't know. Have you played with this preview? What can you preview in a phone system? <laughs> well, you know, it's not just a phone system. You know, it's like it's so much more that is built into this product that, when people ask me, like, say, if it's a, f- a friend of mine that is not like very tech savvy or something, right. they say, you know, you know, you're this like Link MVP, you know, like, what's what's Microsoft Link? And like, I literally sometimes I, have, I find it difficult to conjure up exactly what this product is capable of because there's there's so many different nooks and crannies and there's so many different like communication scenarios that Link provides that you know, um, getting your hands on this next version of the product. Um, is sort of like when this was announced last Monday, Richard, I was just like jumping out of my skin. I was just like, cancel going to the gym, you know, like the skin <laughs> down. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just like going crazy watching the webcast, downloading stuff, like just making notes of all the new features and things so I could get the word out to people. You know? There's so many um, new features that end users are going to see and are going to love straight away. Um, and there's also lots of things that sysadmins have been um, crying out over for, for ages and ages that are all there in the preview version right now for people to get their um face up and do. Cool. And it seems like it's a little Win 8-centric too. Is that going to scare people off in the enterprise or does it matter? Uh, no, it definitely, it's got that metro look and feel to it in yeah. a big way. Um, so, you know, everything kind of like pops out a bit and it's kind of like very capitalized and, and like lots of sort of like nicely shaded squares and things um but it, it conforms with the whole office 2013 uh like artwork and um and design uh look and feel so i think it's it's not such a massive leap from the current Win 2010 version that people are going to find it difficult to adapt but um if they're still on say office communicator 2007 r2 they they probably will you know they'll need a bit of helping hand to get up to 2013 sure yeah, well, it, it, when you start missing versions, especially for these products, you really have to go sequentially. Yeah, cause it, it can be like a, quite a um, quite a big culture impact to, to sure. get people head around this whole new um, look and feel. And there are some some little uh, changes to the way that you kick off an IM or an audio or video call to people that um, can take a bit of um, getting used to. They're not immediately apparent. So mm-hmm. um, things like you hover over somebody's uh, photo and like little action buttons pop out of the right-hand side. Similar to how in Windows 8, you've got those like charm menus sure. on the right-hand side. There is a bit of that kind of thing going on there. Interesting. A touch-centric version of Link. One can only hope. That would be quite <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right, Justin, I guess we're in early days yet. Still lots to see uh, as uh, the product gets closer. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, thanks so much for talking to me. Yeah, sure thing, Richard. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio. Thank you.